Hello, I'm Angela. And I'm Marie, the second half of this mother and daughter team. Welcome to Chalker Checkups. We're here to guide you on your quest for spiritual knowledge and enlightenment. All right, here we are for another episode, talking again about spiritual things with Mother Marie. (laughs) Mother Marie. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Are you not my mother, Marie? (laughs) Let's talk about other family members. How about Sumatra? Our dog. (laughs) Our dog. Our dog. What about our dog? I was sitting in a meditation and all of a sudden I was seeing uh, Sumi and she had a, well, like a little crown, like a little gold kind of smooth across the top of her forehead and went down the side of her little cheeks and then had some dangling like jewels on it. Oh, cool. I think she's a princess. (laughs) I already knew that, but (laughs) I'm glad that you can spiritually verify that for us. A princess among dogs. (laughs) A princess among dogs. Type of spirituality we have in our pets or how connected they are. Well, I'm sort of rethinking things. You know, I, I know the Buddhists talk about that you can reincarnate into an animal. And that's really a stretch for me. I... I, I see this progression through lifetimes with people and I've never seen one suddenly turn into a dog, an alligator, whatever. So it's hard for me to conceptualize it in that way. But on the same token, I see sometimes very unusual energy signatures in dogs way beyond just being a sweet, fluffy animal that we love. So they do have they do have stuff going on and they do when I look at them, if they're ill, I do see colors in them, you know, red, where they're hurting blue, different things, but not exactly a chakra system. Mm -hmm. Is that just because, you know, you were given the novels to read chakra systems. Do you, is this the, uh, the novel set that you can't interpret? Well, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one time I was sitting in the living room with one of our dogs and I was saying, if my dog had something they wanted to to tell me, I'd be open to it. And the dog walked right over to me that moment and just stared at me like with this intense stare, like, okay, I'm sending, <laughs> I'm sending you this message. And I, and I, and I finally said, oh, I'm so sorry. I really can't understand what you're trying to <laughs> do. And then the dog literally shook its head and walked away. <laughs> That must be so frustrating for our animals because uh, I do feel like they have a much greater understanding of our language and what we tell them than when they try to tell us something. We just don't get the message at all. Yeah, it's it's a whole different thing. I, but I am convinced that the animals are telepathic and they do, of course, read our energy and they have certain things about them uh, that they do for us that maybe people aren't aware of. Like what? Well, I think dogs are protectors. Dogs are protectors and will will actually do what they can to rescue you. Mm-hmm. I had a friend that, but I think they're doing part of that to take that on so that you don't have to deal with it. Or do you think that depends on the dog too, though? Because I know some people are like, 
I have this dog, but this dog is like a person. Like this dog is very smart. They act like a person. And then other people have dogs with just more dog-like behaviors of, you know, I'm only going to chase the ball and sleep and, you know, lick my butt. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you think that the more sophisticated personality type dogs are going to be the ones more likely to be the healers and the mediums or do you think they all do to some degree well i think this kind of in their nature for all dogs to absorb things about their master but there definitely are dogs go up and you know beyond what we normally expect and their ability to understand is is beyond what we would normally expect Mm -hmm. um and again, I don't know if maybe if that means they've been people or they've just been exceptional dogs for many, many lifetimes. I have seen dogs' energy bodies on the astral. So I know they have an energy body. And, you know, so it, it it's hard to know for sure. But I do believe that, and I've seen indications that they do take things on for you to, to uh, transmute that or to heal you or help you to get by. And I don't think people give their dog credit for that as much as they should. Yeah, that brings up the question for me, if our dogs are doing all of these things without us necessarily being aware of it, how can we repay them? You know, what kind of energy work can we do for our dogs? Well, you know, dogs love, they love to be massaged. Yeah. Well, they just love massage. Uh, And uh, just like with Sumi, I rub down her front legs and she looks so happy. Like, I haven't had a leg rub in a long time. (laughs) All of 10 minutes. I haven't had a leg rub in 10 minutes. Little princess over here. But uh, they love massage. They love it when you talk to them like an adult. I think sometimes people's responses with dogs is that they don't realize, first of all, dogs have a vocabulary. Um, they, they know that most dogs have at least a hundred word vocabulary. Some have far more. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm reminded this, uh, we had this poodle, which was just kind of a crazy animal. And it was Christmas time. And every time we left the house, my mother would say, now Penrod, don't touch that Christmas tree while we're gone. Do not touch that Christmas tree. And then one time we're leaving, and I, just as a joke, I said, and Penrod, while we're gone, feel free to eat the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had popcorn and stuff hanging on it. We came back, and he had ripped the tree apart. <laughs> and, of course, it was my job to make it all right again. Oops. <laughs> but clearly, he understood what I was saying, and he understood the difference. Because all of the times that he said, you know, don't touched the Christmas tree. He left it alone. He left it alone. And that time he popped corn strings all over the living room. So he's just waiting for his permission. I guess. I mean, they do have a vocabulary and I have had many instances where I just get down and look right in the dog's face and talk to them and they respond amazingly well. Yeah. I had a, a dog at our farm that was a rescue. It was a Marimba and a beautiful, beautiful dog. And they said it had been so abused that no one could touch it. And our farm was 40 acres. So I said, okay, just bring him out. I'll put food out in the barn. And we've got a great big barn. He can walk around. 
So I did that and I noticed he would be following me around the farm. So as he was following me and I was doing my chores, I started talking to him. You know, I'm glad you're here on the farm. You're safe. No one will hurt you. All of that. And I noticed he got closer and closer to me every day that I walked. And then once in a while, I feel like a puff of air on my hand where his little breath was, he was really <laughs> close, but, but still really trying to check you out. Still couldn't touch him. And he was quite a fur, beautiful, long white fur and uh, very furry. And then he got some blackberry brambles caught in his fur. So I sat down in the, on the cement in the corridor and I said, well, we have a situation here, don't we? You know, that looks very uncomfortable. I guess if you want me to help you, you're going to have to walk over here and let me touch you. Yeah. And he looked at me for a long time and then he just walked over and I pulled all the brambles out of him. Then he kind of backed up. But then the next couple of days, I noticed when I was had my hand down, all of a sudden I could feel his head. Yeah. <laughs> and after that, he was like in my arms. You know? No, he wouldn't let anybody else touch him. But um, yeah. we became really close friends and he was just so, so sweet. So I think that's one thing we forget about. We think this is just a, you know, like a dumb animal. And we talk about them when they're right there, like they don't exist. And then we don't talk to them like they understand. And you're missing a lot because, you know, dogs are incredible. Aside from the fact it gives us somebody to love and get unconditional love back. They're just very incredible in terms of their ability to communicate and to respond. And if you think carefully back over your history, there are probably times when the dog did make you feel better. Mm -hmm. Kind of a dog healer. Mm -hmm. I do think they have healing capacity. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why they use them a lot as, you know, therapy dogs in the hospital and whatnot. Yeah, who could not feel better after having a happy dog face? <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, a therapy rabbit or whatever. Well, different types of animals. Are there different pets or animals that are considered to be more spiritual than others? Like, we're talking a lot about dogs, but... Well, I mean, again, I don't know. I mean, in, in India, they are, uh, you know, there's certain things like, you know, elephants are supposed to be very spiritual. I'm sure they are. They paint pictures, so how could they not be? Um, I don't think my dog ever painted a picture like the elephants do. I actually have seen videos of dogs painting pictures. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> And lots of different cultures. It's different different animals, and they've learned to, uh, you know, kind of suss out whatever it is special about that animal. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had that much uh, exposure to exotic animals. Very little, actually. So, you know, I can't really talk to that. But I, I think think of dogs as mediums and healers, and cats. I'm more like, I don't know, psych psychics and witches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, the, cat, the cats seem to have better visual ability. They see things. I had a cat like would see ghost entities and like go running out of it, at it, and wound up bashing into the wall. Thinking. <laughs> People so say you've that, seen these things and you've seen the cat react to the, the same thing. The cat's chasing after it, you know, but it forgets that the wall, the 
because it went through the wall, she can't go through the wall, you know, and she just like full tilt into the wall, bam. <laughs> okay. People say that's a crazy cat, but then when I'm looking at them, they're going, well, not, she's not that crazy. She's just chasing around this energy that she's seen in the house, mm -hmm. up and down the stairs, back and forth and all over, in a way, kind of chasing it out. They're still very spiritual animal, but they're doing it a lot different style and not so much with contact, like dogs are more of a contact creature in terms of the spiritual realm. But cats are more, you know, they're more like psychics and they're observing and they're responding to the psychic energy. Well, I remember um, a friend of mine telling a story where she had hurt her knee and was like in a lot of pain and her cat came over and kind of rested like on her leg or it was hurting and then it kind of stopped hurting after that yeah well i'm not surprised but maybe there was like a dark energy there and the cat moved it out oh, okay oh. so you think they could help in in that kind of way so in a sense they're kind of a medium as well or can be yeah they're very mediumistic they're very psychic they i think they're very visually psychic but they also understand i was i was a licensed massage therapist for many years i had this one woman i went to her house i brought my massage table and I was giving her a massage and her cat was sitting on, in this, uh, on this table that was almost the same level as the massage table, just kind of watching the whole thing look very bored, you know, just flapping its tail and barely awake. And we were talking about animal communication. And she said, well, if my cat really ever had anything to say to me, I'd be very interested in hearing it. And that cat set up, you know, set an upright position looked at her and then started saying, meow, 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 I mean, it was like, you could see the cat saying, and another thing, and this cat went on like about 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Just like, you know, meow, 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 shaking its head and stamping its paw. Do you think this cat had positive or negative things to say? It's hard to know, but she was pretty emphatic. And again, sadly, I just looked at the cat and, and said, Sorry. I don't understand what word you're saying. And the cat gave me kind of this, this disgusted look. But it was a shocker to see that cat just come alive like that and just start chatting up a storm. Do you think that's like a gift or something that we could ask for our angels? Like, I would really like to better understand my pet. Like, I would like to know what they're saying when they're barking or meowing or, you know, if you have a snake hissing or whatever. Well, I don't see why not. Um, I think that it's, you know, they're telepathic. They have the same language. Yeah. They understand your language. Um, yeah, like if we want to better understand theirs. I want the download. Yeah, I want the download. Well, or just you you want more awareness and consciousness about what your dog is trying to tell you. I guess you better look out at that one, you know. Take me for a walk. Take me for a walk. <laughs> Meet me. Let's go swimming. I was going to say, I think Sumatra would just be like, I'm ready for food. I'm ready for food again. <laughs> they might be annoying, but... Uh... I know with one of our dogs, it was a very intelligent dog, um, Pixie. And I remember Pixie was barking constantly inside and outside. And it was driving me nuts. She had a, kind of a, she was a corgi, so she had a high-pitched little bark. And uh, 
she would look out the, the glass windows at the farm and then just go crazy. Well, finally, I, I came up to Pixie. I got down on the floor and looked right in her little eyes. And I said, listen, you are a smart dog. Smart dogs do not bark inside the house. <laughs> Only dumb dogs bark inside the house. And I know you're better than that. So start being the smart dog that you are and do not bark inside the house. And she stopped barking in the house. She would go outside and bark and then she'd come in and she didn't bark in the house anymore. I always try to tell Sumatra to have inside voices, please. <laughs> Use your inside voices. That's too loud for inside. <laughs> yeah, inside voice. Exactly. I've had a lot of good experiences with dogs when I look at them in their eyes and talk to them like they're adults. They respond. And they also respond mentally because I've seen dogs like playing in a field and I think, what a beautiful, loving dog you are. And the dog will stop and turn and look at me. So they're just very telepathic. They're very telepathic, and they they have a lot more language than anybody gives them credit for. Mm -hmm. Do you think most pets are very telepathic? Like, I don't know. I had an incredible experience diving the Socorro Islands, and as a diver, you know, we're not really supposed to chase after the animals, you know, let them come to us and give them their space and respect the wildlife. So we're pretty much explicitly told, you know, do not go after the dolphins. But we had a dolphin that came into the group and this dolphin was just asking to get, like, you could tell it was like itchy or had something on its skin, like wanted some help or some interaction. And none of us were like, okay, we're all trying to do what we're told. And so I was thinking, I was like, oh, like this. And this dolphin was like playing dead. It like laid on its back with its belly up, surrounded by a group of women <laughs> <laughs> and stuff. And we're all just like watching it. And we're like, okay, like none of us can touch it. And so I kind of finally said in my head, I'm like, listen, I cannot swim over to you. But if you swim over to me, I will rub your belly. <laughs> <laughs> and this dolphin did. It like came in and basically like, nuzzled its head in between my arms without me reaching to it and stuff and then I was like okay like now I can you know now it's like I guess okay for me to like touch you and stuff like that but I do think a lot of animals probably have a lot of that telepathic ability well probably more than we realize you know I think I mean these are living little living sentient beings and we should maybe treat them that way and never think of them as I don't know, less than us or, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, some less animal, intelligent, less intelligent or too dumb for words or many things I've heard people say about their dogs. Um, a lot of people scream at dogs and they think that somehow screaming at them or hitting them is going to make them behave better. But if they're really super telepathic and sensitive, that's the worst thing you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, what I would do with a puppy, sometimes I would roll up a newspaper and then I'd hit my own hand with it and I'd get their attention. And then I'd tell them what I wanted them to do. And it got to the point with one of my dogs that I'd just say, you don't want me to roll up a newspaper, do you? Yeah. <laughs> and then she'd like look at me and go, nope, I'll behave. <laughs> don't roll up that newspaper. It never touched her. It just, you know, you've just made the communication and they do want to please you. Some dogs have been hurt or they don't understand because they get mixed messages. 
Yeah, and I'd, I'd imagine that the the thought forms would be the same. Like when you talk about a negative thought goes directly to the person that you're thinking about or or a positive thought. Like those thought forms are like heat-seeking bullets that go towards people. Wouldn't it be the same? Like they were still talking about thought forms goes directly to that animal that you're thinking about? Absolutely, absolutely. It makes a lot of difference. We... My mother and I walked into this Les Schwab and we're coming in the back door. There was just this long hallway and here was this little puppy, you know, kind of running away and this woman screaming and, you know, that damn dog, you know, a stupid thing like that. And I stopped and then I got down on the floor and looked at this little puppy, so cute in the, in the eyes and said, you're going to have to be patient with her. This person wants to love you, but you're still growing up and you're going to have to try to listen to her and be a good puppy. And everything will be okay. And this puppy looked at me and then looked back at this person in the office and then went over to her and sat down next door. Yeah. You know, and just clearly the puppy understood. The woman actually got kind of pissed off, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure why. But the dog needed something soft and easy to understand and and not a confused message. Mm-hmm. I know a person that, he, one minute he says he loves his dogs, the next day, next minute he's saying right in front of the dog, I hate that stupid dog. It's not a good way to raise an animal. They, they are getting every message. They're getting every thought form. They are understanding it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yet they'll still love you at the end of the day. But after a while, there's only so much a dog can take. And if you mistreat them, then they're not going to behave as well as you'd like. Yeah. So I have to be careful. In in our one dog, Pixie, who's the Corgi, at one point I actually saw this little golden man kind of folded like an accordion. It was this little golden man that was in three sections folded so that it would fit inside her little body. It wasn't like a person. It was kind of like a little bit like a fairy and a little bit like something I'd never seen. But more than anything, it had a sort of man-like look with a a, a hat uh, that had a straight brim on it, like you might see in New Orleans or something like that, and uh, and dressed in, in, in clothes, all in solid gold, folded up inside her little body. So I w- I've never seen another being like that. So I'm not exactly how to categorize that being. Maybe it was some sort of dog angel. I don't know. But Pixie was an extremely intelligent dog. And we had a lot of chickens and they would get out and I'd be trying to get the chickens and Pixie would run after the chickens, chase them up against the fence and hold them with her nose very gently against the fence until I came and got them mm-hmm. and never hurt one. She just uh, was helping us gather them up. The question is, is the, is the intelligence that little man inside the dog? Or is that the dog? Or is it both? Mm-hmm. It's hard to know. Have you seen other animals like that? Well, I've seen energy in other animals. Certainly light and, like I said, in their dog bodies. And um, I've seen streaks of energy in cats. Cats, it's much more erratic. 
And birds sometimes are very, birds are very responsive to energy. In what way? Well, when I was a teenager, I was like really so out of my body and in my spiritual body. And I'd go sit out on the deck behind our house and I'd be just sitting there meditating or looking at nature or something. And the little birds would come and land on me. And I think it's just they like the energy. Mm -hmm. I could hold out my hand and these little wild birds just land on my hand and just sort of look at me and then fly away. They wouldn't land on anybody else. My brothers and sisters tried it. No luck with them. But um, <laughs> but I think they were responding to my energy. I think all animals will respond to your energy. All animals will respond to a loving heart. And then, of course, they're going to love you back. When uh, my mother had a little dachshund that had passed away and for Quite a few weeks when she came out of her bedroom, there was this long corridor that then she'd see this little dachshund prancing down the hallway to greet her. Mm -hmm. And then it would disappear. And it kept happening. So the dog was still, its little spirit body was still in the house and it was still happy to see her. It was probably going back and forth. Do you think our pets can serve as like spiritual astral guides? I don't think they're going to guide you on the astral, but they might accompany you. Okay. I could see a dog or a cat even accompanying you in terms of uh, protection, like a guard dog or guard cat. And that's maybe possible with other animals. Mm -hmm. uh, if you had, I don't know. Horses. Horses, a falcon, something of that nature. That's possible that they would accompany you. An owl, that's, that's, that's very possible. In which case they would confront, a cat would confront bad psychic energy. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting if somebody's cat was very freaky, if then you smudged the house and the cat became less, like a little bit more calm. Yeah, less freaky, you know. When the cat's freaking out, maybe it's time to say, okay, I need to do something here. The cat's not settled, so the time to smudge the house. I mean, that would be an interesting experiment. I would love to hear back if anybody has a cat that's a, you know, a little bit, quote unquote, neurotic, <laughs> that smudging the house then, you know, makes them calm down more. I think it probably would. We had Patches, our magical cat. Yeah. Angela wanted a black and white and brown and yellow cat. That's what she said. She was, she was very young at the time and she just kept saying she wanted a cat. And her father kept saying, we're not getting a cat. We're not getting a cat. And then at one point he just turned and said, well, if it showed up on the doorstep, yeah, you could keep it. But otherwise we're not getting a cat. <laughs> Which is all the in that I needed. <laughs> And two days later, two, three days later, this long-haired brown and white and black and yellow cat. Calico. Calico yeah. shows up on our doorstep. It was about, I guess, was about a year old and looked like it had been in the wild a bit. It had, you know, burrs and weeds in its hair and stuff. And but clearly not, you know, not owned by anybody. There was not, nothing that we could go by. And... <laughs> And I said to John, well, 
Angie was saying, can I keep it? And I said, well, John, it is. <laughs> it fits the requirement of what you said. <laughs> it did show up. <laughs> so he was kind of caught there. And uh, we had that cat for a very, very long time. And it was clearly a very, very intelligent cat. It really was kind of a magical cat. I remember one time there was a mouse in the house. I couldn't catch it. I tried. And finally, I just said, listen, Patches, you don't do anything around here. So I want this mouse dead right here. And I pointed to the spot by the bottom of the stairs by morning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up and there was the dead mouse. <laughs> yeah. Or you're out of here. <laughs> Definitely cats are very intelligent. Horses are very intelligent. I was, I had this one reading that I went out to this ranch in, in Sam's Valley for long ways to do a reading for this woman. And I got there and she was very uninterested, you know, like she had another agenda or something, but she was just uh, very, very uninterested. And I thought, why am I even here? But before I had gone in to the house, she there had a horse pasture in the front of the house. I had seen this horse and I was looking at the horse. And then when I looked to the barn, there was a spirit of a Native American, like a chief or mm -hmm. somebody that was high up in, in, had a lot of feathers and very beautiful looking, very stately looking man. And he just looked me in the eyes and made eye contact. Then he pointed to the horse. So then I looked back at the horse and I noticed that on its left front leg, it had an entity. Okay. So then I'm going in and I'm doing this reading and this woman's just so uninterested. And then right before I left, I said, is your horse having problem with its leg? Uh, you know, the, the light brown one out there. And she said, yes, we've been all having all kinds of problems. We, she won't walk on it. She, we tried different training things. We've had doctors looking at her. We can't figure it out. And I said, your horse has an entity on its leg. Do you mind if I take it off? And she's like, sure. Why not? Give it a try. You know? yeah. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily that you believe me, but easy option. So I went out and I just, put my hands in the area where that entity was and just started thinking love and light, love and light. And the thing came off. And then the horse kind of turned around and looked at me and then put his head on my chest. Yeah. Like, like a horse you. hug. <laughs> I was like, I've had a horse hug. <laughs> so our animals can pick up entities then. Yes, they can. I don't know how they do that necessarily. Probably just from somebody Maybe from somebody hitting it or someone really negative writing it or, or being rough with it in a, in a way that the, the animal gets a distressed energy and mm -hmm. then that allows some distressed energy to stick to them. Mm -hmm. um, Do you think that's very like common for, you know, dogs or, I mean, maybe more common for rescue animals? Probably likely. And maybe if you had a rescue animal and it wasn't doing well, what if you just took like five minutes a day and just put your hands on a couple places, like maybe one hand on the head and one hand in the center of the back or near the heart and just sat there and imagined 
love and light pouring into this animal and repelling any bad energy from its history. Yeah. Um, maybe that you might get a transformation much faster than you ever imagined and could clear out some of the things that the animal's gone through. It's worth a try anyway. I know they respond to, to healing. Um, I know that they respond to touch. When I came down here to Mexico, we went to a friend's house and they had four dogs and the one dog, they said, don't go near her because she's a mean dog. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, you're not a mean dog, are you? Yeah. And she came over to me, jumped up on the, on the bench where I was sitting and started letting me pet her and everybody, I get the people who own the dog were stunned. They just looked at it like, yeah, she, I mean, she's it. not really a mean dog, but she is very like off putting towards new people. And she it was definitely the opposite of that, where she's like, you are my new best friend. Yeah. She was rolled over on her tummy. She was rubbing her. She was just wouldn't like, wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely do think that dogs respond to like our energies and like higher vibration people are probably going to have better encounters with animals than people that are of a lot of dark. I, I do get a sense that our animals sense that. I mean, for example, my, my dog Sumatra will love on anybody at the beach. Like she'll go up and like kiss the face, like loves people, loves getting new pets and, you know, meeting new people and stuff. And there was one, one day where I had her on a leash and I was sitting outside and a man had like walked by and she completely freaked out and started barking at this guy. And that was kind of my thought at the time of like, I wonder if he has, you know, some sort of dark or negative energy that she's sensing because otherwise this guy is like saying things like, Oh, like there's no need to, you know, be upset. And he kind of said, don't worry. This happens to me all the time. I would worry. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like it's not your dog's fault. Like dogs just don't like me, but he seemed like a sweet enough like person, but you know, maybe just bad things happen to him. But I do feel like my dog was picking up on that. And, and most likely was. And it, when a dog that is normally so friendly suddenly is not friendly to someone, I would take a really close look at that person and maybe not invite them home or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I would trust the dog's instincts because dogs don't do that randomly is there is a reason why they're reacting that way. When I, when I was in high school, I was dating this one guy for a while and every time he came to the house, my dog bit him. <laughs> she said to me, if you want to keep dating, I'm getting really tired of being bitten by your dog every time I come over. Uh, so we decided to stop dating. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Maybe the dog did do a service on that one. Uh, maybe. Uh, the dog wasn't prone to bite anybody. It was just this one guy. Um, yeah. I don't know why exactly. Who knows what the dog... I have experienced, eating. like, jealousy in pets so i don't know if it was that but i in high school i dated a guy that had a parakeet and i didn't realize they had it like loose walking around the house and stuff like that and it was in like the other side of the hall in another room and i sat down in this chair and i was just hanging out 
And I saw this bird start walking across the room, across the hall to me. And I was kind of like, oh, like it's, it likes me, it wants to say hi. And then it started to attack me. And I found out later that this is the chair that like, you know, the guy that I was dating usually cuddles with his bird in. So this bird just totally was like, you're the new chick. Get out of my chair. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that is my guy. You can't touch him. And you definitely can't be in my chair. But it definitely put me off, like, having birds for pets because I do feel like they were, well, at least that one was very, like, jealous and vengeful. When we had the farm, we had 650 chickens. So it's like, I literally know the sound of, like, chicken feet coming across the grass you know it just uh it was like the thundering sound of uh, of a 1200 stomping chicken feet but there was one rooster my mother kind of hated chickens and she'd go out there with the attitude that she hated chickens and there was one rooster that kept biting her but it never did it when it was being watched so she'd say that chicken's always attacking me and i'd look and it's not attacking. <laughs> Nothing happening. And then I turned my back and she, ah, she it bit me again. I turned around, the, the rooster's walking away. <laughs> and it did this often. Um, she got so she didn't like to go out. She wanted us to butcher that rooster, which probably didn't help the relationship either. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Negative thought forms. So like, Negative. you're going to be my dinner. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to kill you and eat you. But it was funny that the, 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 this rooster was smart enough to know to not do it while I was watching and vindictive enough to bite her whenever I wasn't. <laughs> she, she got kind of annoyed about that. Yeah, I mean, I think all of our, our animals, you know, be it a snake, a lizard, our dogs, our cats, our rabbits, I think they're smarter and more spiritual than we give them credit for. When I was going to get you Pixie, the Corgi, I went to the Corgi farm and they had, oh, maybe 50 puppies at the time. And then the lady said, well, some of these are show puppies, you know, and I didn't want to show puppy because Corgis are not inexpensive. Even the non-show puppies were very expensive. So I said, no, we're we're not interested in a show dog. We're just interested in in a nice, healthy little Corgi. And I remember this one Corgi came over and he kept pulling on my shoelace. And when I look at another dog, it would pull on my shoelace. And I remember I said, I hope that you, I hope that Angie picks you when we come back. Uh-huh. And then when I brought you back. Okay. So I have a different perspective on this story <laughs> because when you brought me back, you were like, look at this dog. This one is, and I didn't get a choice to pick. Oh, no, of course you didn't know. That's not the way it happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because, like, I definitely got the vibe that you had already bonded, you had already picked, and that should be the one. And I was like, I'm like, I I wasn't really wanting necessarily a corgi. I didn't really know what kind of dog we wanted, but you had you kind of pre-done this whole thing. <laughs> well, the dog picked me. The dog picked you, yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know, so. The dog didn't pick me. I didn't necessarily bond with the dog at that time when you brought me out. But it was interesting, though. It was interesting. We took a series of pictures. And in every one of those pictures, that corgi was mirroring your movements. You looked to the right. Her head was to the right. You were looking down. She was looking down. 
I looked at them and looked, it was like looking at twins. Mm. So clearly the dog was very aligned with your energy and wanted to be with you. Even though she did kind of wind up being my dog. She was so your dog. <laughs> this, this was the dog that was supposed to be my dog that very much bonded with my mom. Oh, well. <laughs> the okay. family what dog. You, you can't pick who, the, who they bond with, who the owner is. Maybe because I cook all the meals, you know. Yeah, well, I don't know. Something like that. Something but like anyway, that. It was interesting, though, how she, in all those pictures, those photographs, it was kind of stunning that your movements were like exactly the same, you know, at any rate, I think that the thing that sometimes people don't want to get a, an animal for their children or for themselves. And I think it's very beneficial. I think you're going to have a protector, something that for them to love and somebody for them to love. I call them furry people. And it's going to be a good experience for their whole lives. It could be protection for them their whole lives. It could be a companion that really understands everything they're thinking with no judgment. You know, of course, all dog lovers know this already, but the people that can't decide are, are on the fence. I have a lot of friends that are like, I, I love dogs. I would love to have a dog, but I don't feel like I have the right environment or schedule or something to put in for a dog and so I'm not going to get one right now and I definitely felt the same before I got my first like dog as an adult of like well I don't know that's going to be a lot of work and stuff and what I realized is you end up making time to take care of them and stuff like the time that you don't think that you have you end up just not wasting as much time doing other things. And so you take the time to, you know, get up 15 minutes early to take your dog for a walk before work or, or whatever it is. But I feel like if you really do have that relationship with your animal, you, you make the time to make it for them. And so postponing, you know, potential happiness isn't necessarily doing either of you guys a service well and on on the plus side a dog can encourage you to do more exercise than maybe you would do otherwise yeah i mean i think that's particularly true with senior citizens you know when i had our last dog i had to get up every morning and every evening and take that dog for a walk so i was doing more walking than maybe i would do especially on rainy days and stuff i always had to go out with the dog so you know we dressed up in matching raincoats and went for a walk yeah so it, it can encourage you to a healthier lifestyle spend more out time outdoors more time understanding animals and learning to communicate and well, basically a good thing for you yeah so many dogs i as sumatra when you're gone she just kind of goes in a sort of semi comatose state lays there <laughs> waiting for you to return and then yeah. comes back to life when you come through the door so they want to be there for you for sure and i think it's enlivening for people to have an animal it's it's a healthy thing yeah i once heard that and i thought this was like the sweetest thing like especially about uh a dog's in in relation to what you just said is that when a dog sees you return home the they get a hit of like 
I don't know, dopamine and serotonin and basically the same chemicals that get released as in falling in love. So basically, like, they fall in love with you every time they see you. Mm -hmm. And I How thought sweet that is was that? very sweet. Yeah. Well, it sure looks like that when Sumi sees you coming home. She just starts wagging her tail and jumps up and smiling and is so happy that you're home. Yeah. Just can't hardly wait for the door to open. Yeah. And she's fine with me, but she really is waiting for you. She'll respond to me, but she basically is waiting for her mom to come back. Person that she loves the most. And I think that everybody needs somebody that loves them the most unconditionally. Yeah. So, you know, it's not always possible to have a dog, but it definitely, well, I think, is her type of, you know, animal. You could have a spiritual goldfish. I guess. Or a gecko. A gecko, yeah. <laughs> they're so they're sort of self-maintaining. We got plenty of those around here. As long as you have bugs in the house, I guess. I always wanted to have a pet uh chameleon. I always thought that would be a very cool one to have. Maybe we can get you one for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where you go and get chameleons around here, but I have no idea. I saw pictures of in Indonesia of kids that they get giant cockroaches and put a little string around their neck and walk them around like a pet you know actually i think in nepal have a festival that celebrates dogs which i thought was really cool it's called and i'm probably gonna butcher this kakur tahar part of a five-day hindu festival and it's just a big festival to celebrate dogs with an entire day of celebration and feasting complete with ceremony attire and unlimited belly rubs is what it says. <laughs> but I remember when I was there, I was almost unintentionally there on that day, but oh, they very much like celebrate their family loves and dogs and, and stuff in that culture, which I thought was very cool. And, you know, maybe we can have more ways to celebrate our animals. Well, I think anything that encourages love and affection can't hurt in our society. Our society uh, could use more love and affection for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that another family member is a, always a good idea. Yeah. I mean, we have a big like street dog problem here. And so if anybody's thinking about getting a dog... Don't hesitate to reach out. I can put you in touch with several of the dog rescue societies here. I have never had a more loyal dog than my street dog, Sumatra. They're just so thankful for a good home in a different way. And there's so many little, little soul bodies that need a little bit of love. So if anybody... I guess you can fly them to someplace else in the world, right? Yeah, you can fly them. Yeah, there a lot of these rescues, they'll take care of all the paperwork and they'll get them on flights. They'll find somebody flying, you know, to Oregon, Colorado, or wherever they need, Canada, wherever they need to go and um take care of a lot of the paperwork that goes with it they just want to get them to good homes and stuff so if anybody wants a mexican street dog you would not be disappointed and uh reach out send us a email or or something uh only z at gmail.com this dog who knows your your street dog might wind up saving your life yeah 
or saving your heart. Yeah, or both. Or both. Magical, magical pets. If you have a story about a magical animal, we'd love to hear it. So call it in as a voice message. There's a link at the bottom of this podcast description. Or if you have any other questions about any other episodes, call it in. Let us know. We want to hear from you. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll have another one for you next week. Bye for now.